One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 12 and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids. Jay is seven and Kenny is four. They are pretty darn adorable. And we both like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are right up top. Because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to? My kids have been going to a camp this week called Adventures in Cardboard. Um, it's very a, a very unique camp, um, and they part of it is they make like sort of medieval Renaissance fair type weapons and body armor out of cardboard. So Libby brought home this sword that she had made at camp, and then she painted it. She went for like extra credit points and she did a really good job painting it and she even put like blood on the blade (laughs) so I've been enjoying their cardboard talk and creations this week oh I'm fervently hoping you're raising future LARPers it is bringing joy to my heart I think I might be <laughs> by accident because you know that's not my jam, but I know. they all like it. <laughs> that's why I can't wait to hear the progression of this story. <laughs> How about your kids? We had Kenny's post COVID uh, rescheduled birthday party last week, and it was kind of intentional, but not really intentional that we had it in the same place it was Kenny's fourth birthday so we had it in the same place that we had had Jay's fourth birthday Mm -hmm. so it was just one of those funny opportunities to reflect on the differences between your kids at the exact same age and how much more daring Kenny is like they have this little zip line in the kids gym where we had his party and Kenny just would not get off of it he was all about it just zipping down that zip line and I remember at Jay's fourth birthday party like they couldn't even get him on it once so <laughs> it was just a fun opportunity to reflect on my two little munchkins nice I'm glad that it all worked out I also made some Yoda cupcakes that were truly the stuff of nightmares maybe I'll post a picture do it. <laughs> do it the week this episode comes out because that'll fit with the theme okay again in keeping with our theme of this week's podcast we read a primetimer article from august 17th by mark blankenship called a taxonomy of kid reality competitions blankenship broke down the different categories of kids reality competitions as he sees them into the following kids with adult skill sets And that's where we would slot today's main topic, which, spoiler alert, is going to be Junior Bake Off, currently airing on Netflix. The second category was Kids and Adults Together at Last, and that's when 
the kids and adults compete on the same team. The one that I related to the most was Family Double Dare from our childhood. Yeah. Kids getting physical, which again, I feel like had a lot of good entries from our childhood, like Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Kids making communities, which is a very small subset. Uh, the biggest example of which was the failed Kid Nation, which I remember in like the early aughts got a lot of bad press for being dangerous to kids because it was essentially like dumping them in a isolated space to form their own community. I vaguely remember the promos from that show. I never watched it. But wow, blast from the past. Yeah, for sure. And then the final category was kids becoming stars. Again, a big reminder of our childhood. Obviously, I was a big watcher of Star Search back in the day. So there are so many of these kids reality competitions, and they're kind of a blind spot for us. Uh, What did you think about this list? Did any of the categories resonate with you? Well, it made me wonder, where does like that Carol Burnett show that we watched where does that fit in see I was thinking about that too but it's because it's a reality show or a sketch show it's not a competition show so I think it falls outside the uh, requirements for this article but yeah I was of course thinking about that and we've talked recently about making fun and what was the home makeover show we did for kids get out of my room out of my room Mm -hmm. but those aren't competitions so weirdly I don't think we've ever covered a kids reality competition before do you watch any of these or did you watch any kids reality tv didn't we watch double dare for this very podcast you're so right that was ages ago though was Kenny even Mm -hmm. born I don't know my kids still watch that once in a while they like it I'm glad it's still kicking yeah they have fantasies of being on it it's very aspirational sometimes I think that is so like my own childhood I was thinking about this going through all the stress of planning Kenny's birthday party like all the different websites the Pinterest boards blah 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 trying to like get the theming right and I remembered this book of birthday party themes that my mother had growing up that I just loved I would just page through it and imagine having the Robinson Crusoe themed birthday party even though I had obviously never read that book and we also had one for double dare it was like specifically how to plan a double dare birthday party oh funny did you ever do that no I think like I used some of the like obstacle course suggestions just like in building my own obstacle courses around with friends Uh But I never managed to convince my mother to let me have like an extremely messy double dare themed birthday party. (laughs) I can't believe she didn't let you have like a slide covered in slime. (laughs) I know. Geez, I was so deprived. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How nice to have a single source for birthday party planning and not having to scour the internet. Yeah, right. Okay, I was going to say... I like this list. It's fun to see them put into these categories, but at some level, any show I think that involves kids as the stars of the show is exploitative on some level, and you have to be okay with that. Agreed. And on the competition side, for me, there's something a little icky about callously choosing favorites among a group of young children in the way that I 
don't hesitate to do among a group of adults. Yeah, because an adult at this stage in reality television has a pretty clear idea of what it's going to be like to be on a reality show. But for these kids who get kicked off, and we'll get into that when we talk about junior baking show like that's gotta be like a formative experience yeah to be the first one to have to go home from whatever competition they're in or even like the false sense of confidence one might get from being a finalist or even a winner Mm -hmm. that early exposure to fame such as it is or like Mm -hmm. fleeting fame especially Mm -hmm. fleeting fame yeah you were a really big fan of Unreal when it aired, right? Oh, I mean, I still love it. It's not on anymore, I don't think. But yeah, that's one of my uh, top shows I think I've ever watched. So part of the sausage making of reality shows, reality competition shows starring adults is the comfort of these archetypes that they mm-hmm. smush the contestants into because we as viewers expect that And you can't exactly, or to my mind, maybe you can, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you can give someone on a kid's reality competition the villain arc. No, but you can give them like the Joker or the dunce Mm -hmm. arc, which I feel like might have been going on in Junior Baking Show because they had hours and hours and hours of footage. And then the footage that they showed about Finn in particular was... um, I mean, it was funny to watch as a viewer, but also mean. Yeah. (laughs) To be laughing at him. And you can have that kind of empathy for grown-up contestants that you know have also been edited in a particular way to make them seem a certain way. So maybe they weren't really like that. Mm -hmm. There's just an extra level of ugh to it when it's kids. Extra level of ugh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm sure we'll get into a lot of these same issues when we discuss the main series. So do you have any follow up from last week's episode? Do you want to talk briefly about the movie Luck on Apple Plus? I 100% thought that we were going to be reviewing that this week, but I didn't even float it by you because we watched Lightyear last week. It was a Pixar release. We had kind of mixed feelings about it. And I just couldn't get myself excited about seeing luck. And my kids aren't exposed to uh, advertisements on Apple TV Plus. So it's not like they even knew it was a thing. So if Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch it with a family, I would have had to actively suggest it. And I just couldn't, I couldn't gin up the enthusiasm. And I am not 100% sure why. I think the Lassiter angle contributed for sure. I also think it just looks so similar to all those other Pixar movies that I have in general felt ambivalent towards lately. What's the Lasseter angle? Is that the the CEO? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We talked about him. Who was ousted I... from Pixar for Me yes. Too reasons. And this is his yeah. big comeback. So did you, so you haven't watched Luck? No. Okay. Have you watched it? I did watch it. And I think I had put it on our watch list also after seeing it on like a a bus ad where mm-hmm. they like wrap the bu- the city bus in a bumper to bumper advertisement <laughs> um i didn't 
get that into it. The first part of the movie was really fun, I thought. But then it does like a wish dragon thing where they like go into a whole other fantasy world, kind mm-hmm. of like over the rainbow and they're in the land of Oz. And I think I fell asleep during that part. <laughs> you could see that from the previews and mm-hmm. they're going into like the world of luck, right? Like leprechauns mm-hmm. and yes. whatnot. Yeah. And everyone is dressed in green wearing little leprechaun outfits, which felt a little on the nose even for a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, isn't this supposed to be like a different sort of exploration? It just felt a little Lucky Charms ad-y to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, listeners, at least for now, we are not reviewing luck. But tell us what you think. Exactly. If you have opinions. Did you watch it? Did you like it? Did your kids like it? So let's move on to our... Topic of the day, Junior Baking Show. There have been seven seasons of this show in the UK, but we're only just getting the most recent one on Netflix, and it dropped on August 17th. The structure is a lot like the popular grown-up version, British Bake Off. Kids aged 9 to 12 compete, making different kinds of baked goods every week, and there are episodes for cakes, cookies, and bread, etc. They're evaluated by two judges and each week a contestant is eliminated until the final four compete in the finale and a winner is chosen. And as I'm reading this, I'm fact checking. I think a couple of the contestants were like 14 and 15. Yeah, I think it's age 9 to 15. That's my bad. And there are 15 episodes all about 45 minutes long. And we picked this because we talked recently about how exploited we feel that YouTube kid influencers can be. And somehow totally forgot that there was already a thriving reality show subgenre featuring child contestants. We wanted to remind ourselves whether these shows made us feel quite as icky as their YouTube counterparts and explore why or why not. Katie, do you want to talk about your kids and their reality TV watching? I feel like a side reason to watch reality competitions with your kids is to try and get them interested in doing something involving the skill set. And my Mm -hmm. kids are very into Lego Masters and Holy Moly. And I thought maybe if we watched Junior Baking Show or Junior Bake Off that they would maybe get into baking instead of miniature golf, which seems more attractive to me. Libby loves baking shows. She hasn't seen, before we started watching this for the podcast, she hadn't watched this one, but she loves, um, there's one on Disney called like Disney Magic Bake Off, something like that. So I don't know. I love cooking and baking and like, I love reading about food. I love thinking about food I love watching people make food on tv so sounds like this is up your street we watched the first three episodes since it's a competition show that involved weekly eliminations so season one episode one heat a is cake day episode two is biscuit day episode three is bread day we'll try to avoid spoilers regarding who wins or gets kicked off while going through the episodes one by one and then we'll talk about our general impressions would you care to summarize episode one cake day please katie Sure. Yes. So they structured each episode into two challenges. The first is a technical challenge where the kids haven't been given any advance notice of what the challenge is going to be. 
And that in Cake Day was Jaffa Cakes, which are a weird thing that Americans do not know. (laughs) They seemed like maybe a little Debbie Hostess type store-bought thing. Yeah. Uh, So their technical challenge was Jaffa Cakes and their showstopper challenge, which is the one they did get a chance to prepare for, was they had to make fantasy cakes uh, and they could interpret that however they wanted. Uh, I won't say who was eliminated or who performed particularly well. It looks like the age range, at least in this first half of the season, because they split it between Heat A and Heat B, it looks like the age range goes from 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. I thought that the Jaffa cake was super hard (laughs) to make. I was astounded by the level of difficulty that that entailed and the technical skill that it required. Because they had to like set, they had to like make a gelatin that it cut it precisely so that it fit on this hexagonal sponge cake. I like I have not watched the great British Bake Off much to the chagrin of our podcast friend Amy because that's her like favorite show. I cannot believe knowing how much you enjoy cooking and baking and watching shows about people cooking and baking that you haven't watched it. Well I think I like watching shows about cooking and baking but Jeremy's not into it, so I don't actually watch a lot of them. Gotcha. Yeah, Jaffa Cakes seemed very hard. I was also shocked that they only got two hours to bake their entire cakes for the showstopper. I I know, because you put a cake in the oven for like 45 minutes minimum. Yeah, and like you have to let it cool before you can even decorate it. It seemed impossible, and I'm sure it has something to do with the amount of time they're allowed to have kids on screen, maybe? I don't know. Also, they get the ingredients pre-measured, which when I'm baking with my kids, that's like the most stressful part is like not getting flour all over the kitchen. <laughs> Fair. So that does that does cut down on time if you're just like dumping ingredients that have been pre-measured in. That's true. Okay, should we move on to biscuit day? Let's do it. Okay, I was thinking, like, what's that dish where you have, like, sausage gravy on biscuits? Yes, because you are an American. So to you, biscuit means one thing, (laughs) not necessarily a cookie. That's so adorable for someone who has been watching The Great British Bake Off for how many seasons now? Yes, that's very cute. (laughs) Yeah, I did not realize until we started watching it that biscuits are cookies where this is filmed. And so the technical challenge was that the kids had to make... These are so hard. A chocolate chip cookie in the shape of a, like a little tumbler glass, line it with like a chocolate shell on the inside. So it could be used as an actual cup. And then they had to mix up hazelnut milk to pour into the cup so that the judges could like drink hazelnut milk out of the cookie cup and then eat the cookie cup. And then for the, what's it called? What other challenge? The showstopper challenge. The showstopper challenge. Then they had to make cookie art. So they would bake a cookie the size of like a half a sheet pan. And then they had to have, I don't know how many other 12, six yeah. Yeah, other think... components to go on that. So it was like two dimensional and then decorate it. So it's like, if you could hang it up on the wall, it would be the size of like a print. What did you think of this challenge? This, even more than the first episode, really made me question the wisdom of the age range. Because there were a couple of kids who, when they were making their technical challenge, 
they just added the entire vial of salt into (laughs) either their cookie dough or the milk that they were making. And these were on the young end of the spectrum, like the 10-year-olds. And, like, obviously the 15-year-olds weren't doing that. There's just, like, a world of difference between what even the most precocious 10-year-old understands about the science of baking and what a 15-year-old understands. And, like, you can have a 10-year-old that is very adventurous in the kitchen and making these wild, creative things, and that's awesome, but I, I just have to wonder, do they ever, are they ever really anything other than kind of comedic fodder? I know. We, my kids and I talked about that, and we really didn't think it was fair for the 10-year-olds to be compared to what the 15-year-old and 14-year-old could accomplish. I mean, this is the equivalent of, like, somebody who's taken one home ec class going up against somebody who's been to culinary school and majored as a pastry chef. Yeah. And this is something where I feel like they stuck really closely to the formula of the original, the grown up version. And I think 16, I think kids as young as 16 can be on the grown up version. And then they have like Mm. uh, senior citizens on as well. And part of the joy of watching it is seeing these different skill sets and what the young people can bring to it and what the older people can bring to it. I just don't necessarily feel like that was as well thought out as to how it would translate to the younger kids. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking and waiting for, and they maybe this is because we've watched too many kids shows that are made in America and thus extremely moralistic. I kept waiting for like one of the older kids to just step in and start assisting one of the younger kids. And it happened a couple times, like Sophia would help Fern get things out of the oven a couple times when it was like too heavy or too unwieldy, but there was never like, I'm going to save Finn, which isn't the intention of the show, but I kept like wanting that to happen because I felt sorry for the younger ones. Yeah, it did feel like an unnecessary burden on these little Mm -hmm. ones. All right, should we move on to bread day? Sure. Bread day. The technical challenge was a star pizza, like a pull apart pizza that was shaped like a star. So it involved a lot of twisting of dough to get it into the correct shape. Mm -hmm. And the showstopper (laughs) challenge was like a fantasy creature made out of bread. And it had to be like a sweet bread. What did you think about this episode? Again, the technical challenge just seemed crazy as someone who needs a YouTube video to be able to braid something. I can't imagine just seeing the instructions to braid this written on a piece of paper and being able to do it. I know. Well, the judge who came up with, so the judge, the two judges took turns coming up with the technical challenges. And you and I have both in our very brief professional lives um, written documents or created learning aids for people. And like, if the person following the instructions can't do what you're trying to communicate, then you as the writer have failed. And like some recipes are better written than others. And some recipes are so poorly written that the end product isn't good because the person creating the recipe hasn't done a good job of diagramming how to braid the pizza slices. And this is, this is on the judge. 
see, I I'm gonna stop you there because I feel like this is <laughs> this is something you're missing because you're not familiar with like the OG Bake Off, right? Because they also do technical challenges there, and that's the whole point. The whole point is that the technical challenge recipe will just say make a biscuit dough. Oh, and it won't so you say, have like, to... how much flour, how many eggs, like how long to bake it. So it's relying on their knowledge of the basic techniques that they should have in their heads and not need to see written down. So it's vague on purpose. Got it. Okay. I see how you could do this with young kids. But again, I feel like for my weak, empathetic heart, it's taking it too far. <laughs> Yeah, but is like braiding a pizza dough bread, like is a six point star bread braid, is that a thing that people who bake know how to do? Exactly. I can see like maybe like making challah bread. That seems like something that if you're a serious baker, you would just have in your wheelhouse. But this I've never seen. Right. I mean, it looks delicious. I want to eat it. but (laughs) I want to make a nightmare version of it that will terrify my children. (laughs) I liked the jellyfish one. That was funny. Oh, that was. But you could totally see how like if you didn't have a mental picture of how this was supposed to look and you were a 10 year old, you wouldn't get it. It was, again, an example of how obviously the older kids did better and the younger kids were just there for us to giggle at I don't know I know all right uh should we move on to our overall thoughts so you watched the grown-up version I never had have I was a big top chef fan I think that's my primary cooking or baking show how about you do you watch any other reality competition food shows I think Bake Off might be the only one and I don't even think I finished the last season of that And I think it's more on me than on the show. I think once I get to know those archetypes and Mm -hmm. the familiar rhythms, that can keep me going for a few seasons. For a few seasons, I find that familiarity comforting. But then I reach an abrupt point where I find it dull. And I think Mm -hmm. I crossed that Rubicon with Bake Off. I could possibly go back to it. I don't have ill feelings towards it. The distinction that Bake Off has, as opposed to other competition shows, with grown-ups at least, is that it's very gentle. And it doesn't, even though it's competitive, it doesn't feel, they're not really giving anyone the villain edit, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're giving someone the quirky edit, but they're not pitting people against one another in that mean-spirited way that you often see, even in Top Chef. Do you, okay, so you bake, and sometimes you bake really elaborate technically challenging birthday cakes for your kids I try to (laughs) (laughs) do you did you have any firsthand experience with um some of the creations that these kids were working on I have made pull apart breads before never in the shape of a star Mm -hmm. usually with American style biscuit dough for like breakfast things so like with eggs, like a savory pull apart. Oh, thing. like a like a monkey bread. Yeah, like a monkey yeah. bread. I think that's probably the closest I came. I don't bake a lot of bread, early pandemic notwithstanding. Are you much of a bread baker? No, I have failed time and time again at getting yeast to activate. Okay, so I yeast is tricky for me. Until recently, I started using Alice Waters. I think it's called like Simple Cooking or the art of being simple. I don't know, something like that. And she has 
a way of starting, like you put the yeast in like a half cup of warm water or something. So then you can see for like half an hour. So then you can see whether it's activated. Started doing that. So I've gotten a little bit better at yeast, but these were way out of my ability level. I don't even make chocolate chip cookies anymore. I just put it all in a pan and make a bars. Oh, <laughs> my kids like to bake more elaborate stuff than I do on my own. So I'm like their assistant when they attempt stuff, but I'm not very good at it. I would fail the technical challenges. Oh, for sure. Every time I would also fail the technical challenges. I would sidebar also cry way more than these kids do. I know. Okay. So the one girl, she's like really soft spoken. She's the triplet. Okay. Mm -hmm. A couple of times she had like a really disappointing thing happen and she was so zen about it. She was like, no matter getting upset about this, it won't change it. I just have to accept it and move on. That is one of the fascinating things about this show and its grown up counterpart is in terms of we don't often think about how different British culture is to ours. But that whole stiff upper lip mentality is real. <laughs> and y'all, we do not have that here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you imagine the American parents being like, feel your feelings, let it out. I know you're upset about that cracked biscuit. Just cry all your tears. <laughs> I know. And nobody once ever threw or broke anything on purpose. Remarkable restraint. Yeah. Okay. So just generally, did we like the concept? No, I would much rather watch the grown up version. I don't feel like it translated well. You? I did like it, but I think I need to see. I think once I have watched the grown up version, I probably will be sold on that more. My kids really liked it. We had a lot of fun watching it together. That's awesome. That's the ideal. That's what I was hoping for out of mm -hmm. this. I'm so glad. So we talked a little bit about where we think this falls on, um, the exploitation scale. Do you want to talk any more about that? I just, speaking of cultural differences, I want to see the metrics on what the kid fluencer industry is like in the UK. Because it's obviously much more of a thing in America that we're churning out these child quote unquote stars. And I just wonder if there's less exposure to that and that maybe makes these kids a little more resilient. I'm not sure if that's the word. I know. I'm not sure because like the tabloid in industry there is brutal yeah that's a good point not that like we have like tmz and that kind of stuff like not like we're any better but i think they like to have like a public takedown of a vulnerable person do you think that lends an extra level of safety like you can be like well i'm not a royal and i'm not a professional actor or actress so like I can do this thing and not worry that the tabloid press will attack me because they have their fangs so thoroughly set in these other people. Yeah. And these kids seemed like they were all from pretty regular. They all had pretty regular backgrounds. Like none of them had like that very posh accent. They all had more like middle class working class accents, I thought. They're really specific in the grown up version that the bakers have to be amateurs. And I wonder if they screen for a similar way with the contestants as kids for mm -hmm. like no signs of wanting to use this to like launch your bakeware brand or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah. I got the sense from watching this that they just these kids just genuinely loved 
had a love of baking because even some of them were had like different as like I don't know one little girl wanted to be a doctor when she grew up okay so that is a good way to start talking about the cast and the characters so did you um take a liking or a disliking to any of the contestants they were good about not making anyone the villain mm-hmm In terms of technical skill, I can see how a lot of people would favor the older contestants. But as a mom and a mom of younger kids, my heart just went out to these young kids who I'm sure are the first of the herd to be called. But I preferred them to their older, more polished counterparts. There's one little boy in particular who is on the older scale, a little blonde boy whose name I can't remember. And through no fault of his own, I just I was like, dude, you're you're acting like too much of a kid. Just let the little kids do that. But yeah, I would say I definitely preferred the younger kids. How about you? I liked all of them. I liked the girl Sophia because she was, she was like, had some comedic parts. Um, She just had like funny face, facial expressions when she was doing well or poorly. And then I really got a kick out of Reese. He was the one who's like, got a professional level, mostly because he had this trick for baking cakes where he uses half butter, half oil. I missed that. Is that why his cake looked amazing? Yeah. And because he said butter is for like the texture of it. Oil is to keep it moist. So I'm going to try that. And the next time I bake a cake, you took a baking tip from a 14 year old. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So I've been excited to talk about this with you. Anybody you hated or loved among the hosts, host or judges. Oh, (laughs) Harry. There is this style. Harry Hill is the host and there's the style of British humor that just does not, for me, translate well. And that's like the Mr. Bean style of like really kind of manic, big face acting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's the school that Harry clearly comes from. uh, And it was just not my cup of tea. Also, I feel like a side job of the hosts on this show is to like comfort the contestants when things go wrong I would think that that job is doubly important in the version with children and it did not seem to be in this gentleman's wheelhouse like maybe he could crack a joke to try and make them feel better but he's not going to be able to like pat them on the back and tell them it's going to be okay no he was supposed to be the levity and I thought his I guess I would have described it as dad jokes, but I think you, I didn't realize it was like a cultural difference. I didn't find him funny at all. I thought he was really annoying. And then he did this thing where when the kids were in the middle of something like very technically challenging, he would come up and like try to make small talk and be funny. And they would just, they would humor him, but they would clearly be focusing on the challenge that they're trying to accomplish. Thumbs down. I did think the judges were fine. And I really liked how they were able to like a good like elementary school teacher. They were able to say something nice about everybody's entry into the competition, no matter how undercooked. Yeah. (laughs) And flawed it was. Their criticisms were always super gentle. And I appreciated that a lot. And also constructive. Because they were like, the next time you try this, you should leave it in the oven for the full time. (laughs) Okay, so did you have any thoughts on the look of the show? It's outside. 
under a big tent, which I found surprising. Is that how the Great British Bake Off is filmed now after post-COVID? Always been. The tent is like oh. the an iconic part of it that they feel like they can't move away from. But like climate change just means that it seems like a full 30% of every season, everything is ruined because it's just a million degrees in the tent and nothing goes yeah. right. <laughs> oh, I thought it was because of COVID that they were doing outside. That is very interesting. Yeah, I... I know it's a cherished element at this point, but part of me is like, can we just move it inside on hot days? But it is kind of realistic because like the whole reason why I've never been able to bake bread successfully is because I'm always trying to do it in the winter and my house is really, really cold in the winter, which isn't a good environment for yeast to do its thing. That's true. And it does add another like surprise element, which again works well to me in the grown up version of the show. But I would worry about it really throwing a 10 year old off his or her game. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thoughts on the length and the structure. There are two heats in this season. So there's like a whole other group of kids that we could watch later yeah I guess and I'm not really sure what the thinking maybe because they wanted to have more kids and they just couldn't fit that many in the tent at first do then they pit the do they pit the winners of each heat against one another? yeah I think they must take the top two from each mm, for the final interesting so the grown-up version has three challenges per episode do you want to talk about this? Because you are. Yeah, it's one of my major <laughs> quibbles. There, yeah. there are two big structural things that I need to speak to. I must speak to. <laughs> so the grown up version has three challenges. It starts with one that's called a signature bake, which is something they get to practice. But it's not like elaborate in terms of construction like the showstopper is. So essentially, it is like, oh, you need to bake some really good cookies. I mean, it's not that simplistic. But they get a chance to just be like, here, I'm a good baker. And here is my good bread. And the judges can see how they can do this thing really well. And then they get the technical that always throws them for a loop. And then they get the showstopper where they sculpt that good thing into three tiers of weirdly molded whatever covered in fondant. Mm hmm. The signature bake to me is the one that is the most impressive because it shows them making the actual thing. Right. The showstopper kind of reminds me of medieval feasts where they would bring out the peacock with the feathers all stuck back in it. Like it's a it looks good, but I'm not interested in eating it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I feel bad that they cut that whole thing out and I feel like it did a disservice to the contestants because I didn't feel like I knew their skill set enough. Mm -hmm. But then again, if it's just about cute kids and not about baking, maybe it didn't matter. Right. And then the other structural thing is an early seasons of Bake Off, they had these like little interstitial videos that they would do about the thing that was being baked. And it could be about what they were baking in the technical or like something random about the history of the croissant or blah de blah They've cut that in recent seasons of Bake Off. But what a great place to bring it back in a show about kids. Like give me a 30 second spot about who invented the Jaffa cake and mm -hmm. like a little, I don't know, like Ted Ed style and not Ted Ed, a funny style animation. Oh, yeah, that would be good. 
I thought that was a missed opportunity as well. Well, having not seen Great British Bake Off, I did not know what I was missing, but I like your ideas. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm just more, more and more intrigued now. I have to watch the grown-up version. So it's hard in a reality competition that's based on a grown-up version to compare this to a movie or show for grown-ups, but were you able to do that? Yes. Because the earlier seasons of the original show were known for having two amazing hosts that were excellent at doing exactly what I just criticized Harry for not Mm. being able to do, which is to adequately comfort the contestants when something goes wrong. And one of these hosts was a comedian named Sue Perkins, and she did this show in 2007 called variously either supersizers go or supersizers eat and I think I've probably mentioned it on the pod before but it's her and a restaurant critic and they go through the various time periods of British history eating the way those people ate Mm. and they go all the way up through like the 70s but they do like the Edwardian period and medieval period and they mix it with like they wear funny costumes and I don't know. It was such a delight. I tried to see where it was streaming. It is unfortunately not streaming anywhere, although it is available on YouTube. If you have any interest in the history of food, how people have eaten in the past, I highly recommend it. I thought it was very fun. Nice. Were you able to compare it to anything? Top Chef is really my main go-to in this realm. Have you ever watched the junior version of Top Chef? I have not. Have if you? If it still exists, I don't know. I just read about it in that <laughs> Screen Time in the News article. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to um, cast the gritty HBO reboot? So I just uh, ported it over to America so we could do the American yeah. version, right? So we need a funny host who can also be warm and give hugs. And I feel like Jim Gaffigan has built his whole brand around the fact that he is a family man and Mm -hmm. he's awkward and funny about his kids, but still Mm -hmm. warm. So I feel like he might be good for it. As far as judges are concerned, you know, I want Alton Brown there, but I couldn't think of a second. How about you? That's funny. Well, for the chefs, I would pick... The actors Jeremy Allen White and Io Adibari, who play Carmen and Sydney on The Bear. Ah! They're not real professional <laughs> foodies, like they just play chefs. But I would like the actor who plays Carmen to be like the bad cop. And the actor who plays Sydney, she seems like she could be a good cop and like warm and encouraging to the kids. Oh. So I would like that. And then I would pick somebody with a sense of humor like Leslie Jones. She's very like self-deprecating and has a great sense of physical comedy. I think she would be a really good host. I like that. She's already a good host of uh, Supermarket Sweep. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So was it better when we were kids? Star Search was really the one kids reality competition that I remember watching with any regularity. So it is fun to see something that seems at least a little bit more attainable to a different kind of kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. I'm never going to be a tap dancing superstar, but maybe I can learn to bake really good cookies. Right. What do you think? I can't think of anything that was like this when we were kids. It was probably better when we were kids because kids didn't aspire to be on reality TV shows. Fair, fair. 
Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I found this to be so much more stressful than the grown-up version (laughs) because I was just worried so much for those little kids. So I would not revisit it alone voluntarily. No. How about you? I would definitely watch it with my kids. I would not watch it by myself, but I do want to watch Great British Bake Off. So like sort of. (laughs) Um, So 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I gather you had a positive experience. I did. So I would say, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't think there's anything actively wrong unless you are very concerned that your child might be susceptible to the allure of someday being on reality TV. Then I guess if you're looking to cut the genre entirely, I will say that it was not for my kids, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't be for a seven-year-old. I I don't Mm -hmm. know if a four-year-old would ever really super get into it, but... Ratings? Four. I was going to say four, too. I know it sounded like I had a lot of complaints. Yeah, I thought you were going to go low. But it's still so much better than so much of what could be out there. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. If you enjoyed our show today, please share it with someone you think might enjoy it. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyScreenTime2, or send an email to MyScreenTime2 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our website is MyScreenTime2.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to, and sometimes because we like to. Bye! Bye.